0: chapter eight of the garrys and their friends by frank webb this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter eight trouble in the ellis family since the receipt of mr garry's letter mrs ellis and caddy had been busily engaged in putting the house in a state of preparation for their reception caddy whilst superintending its decoration felt herself in elysium for the first time in her life she had the supreme satisfaction of having two unfortunate house cleaners entirely at her disposal consequently she drove them about and worried them to an extent unparalleled in any of their former experience she sought for and discovered on the windows which they had fondly regarded as miracles of cleanliness sundry streaks and smears and detected infinite small spots of paint and whitewash on the newly scrubbed floors she followed them upstairs and downstairs and tormented them to that extent that charlie gave it as his private opinion that she should not be in the least surprised on going up there to find that the two old women had made away with caddy and hidden her remains in the coal-bin while she was thus engaged to charlie was assigned the duty of transporting to winter street her diurnal portion of food without a hearty share of which she found it impossible to maintain herself in a state of efficiency Her labors in chasing the women about the house being of a rather exhausting nature when he made the visits in question charlie was generally reconnoitred by his sister from a window over the door and was compelled to put his shoes through a system of purification devised by her for his especial benefit it consisted of three courses of scraper and two of mat this being considered by her as strictly necessary to bring his shoes to such a state of cleanliness as would entitle him to admission into the premises of which she was the temporary mistress charlie on two or three occasions finding a window open made stealthy descents upon the premises without first having duly observed these quarantine regulations whereupon he was attacked by caddy who with the assistance of the minions under her command so shook and pummeled him as to cause his precipitate retreat through the same opening by which he had entered and that too in so short a space of time as to make the whole manoeuvre appear to him in the light of a well executed but involuntary feet of ground and lofty tumbling one afternoon he started with his sister's dinner consisting of a dish of which she was particularly fond and its arrival was therefore looked for with unusual anxiety charlie having gorged himself to an almost alarming extent did not make the haste that the case evidently demanded and as he several times stopped to act as umpire in disputed games of marbles and the rules of which he was regarded as an authority he necessarily consumed a great deal of time on the way caddy's patience was severely tried by the long delay and her temper at no time the most amiable gathered bitterness from the unprecedented length of her fast therefore when he at length appeared walking leisurely up winter street swinging the kettle about in the most reckless manner and setting it down on the pavement to play leapfrog over the fire-plugs her wrath reached a point that boded no good to the young trifler now whilst Charlie had been giving his attention to the difficulties growing out of the games of marbles he did not observe that one of the disputants was possessed of a tin kettle in appearance very similar to his own by the side of which in the excitement of the moment he deposited his own whilst giving a practical illustration of his view of the point under consideration having accomplished this to his entire satisfaction he resumed what he supposed was his kettle and went his way rejoicing now caddy ellis had a fondness for one dish more than any other it was for haricot with plenty of carrots and knowing she was to have this for her dinner she to use her own pointed expression had laid herself out to have a good meal she had even abstained from her customary lunch that she might have an appetite worthy of the occasion and accordingly long ere the dinner hour approached she was hungry as a wolf notwithstanding this fact when charlie made his appearance at the door she insisted on his going through all the accustomed forms with the mat and scraper before entering the house an act of self-sacrifice on her part entirely uncalled for as the day was remarkably fine and charlie's boots unusually clean he received two or three by no means gentle shoves and pokes as he entered which he bore with unusual indifference making not the slightest effort at retaliation as was his usual practice the fact is charlie was as lions are supposed to be quite disinclined for a fight after a hearty meal so he followed caddy upstairs to the second story here she had got up an extemporary dining-table by placing a pasting board across two chairs seating herself upon a stool she jerked off the lid of the kettle and to her horror and dismay found not the favorite haricot but a piece of cheese rind a crust of dried bread and a cold potato charlie who was amusing himself by examining the flowers in the new carpet did not observe the look of surprise and disgust that came over the countenance of his sister as she took out piece by piece the remains of some schoolboy's repast look here she at last burst forth do you call this my dinner yes said charlie in a tone and a very good one too i should say if you can't eat that dinner you ought to starve it's one of mother's best haricots you don't call this cold potato and cheese rind haricot do you asked caddy angrily at this charlie looked up and saw before her the refuse scraps which she had indignantly emptied upon the table he could scarcely believe his eyes He got up and looked in the kettle but found no haricot well said he with surprise, if that don't beat me i saw mother fill it with haricot myself i'm clean beat about it tell me what you've done with it then almost screamed the angry girl i really don't know what has become of it he answered with a bewildered air i saw i saw i i you saw you saw replied the indignant caddy imitating his tone and taking up the kettle she began to examine it more closely why this isn't even our kettle look at this lid i'm sure it's not ours you've been stopping somewhere to play and exchange it with some other boy that's just what you've done just then it occurred to charlie that at the place where he had adjusted the dispute about the marbles he had observed in the hands of one of the boys a kettle similar to his own and it flashed across his mind that he had then and there made the unfortunate exchange he broke his suspicion to caddy in the gentlest manner at the same time edging his way to the door to escape the storm that he saw was brewing the loss of her dinner and of such a dinner so enraged the hungry girl as to cause her to seize a brush lying near and begin to belabor him without mercy in his endeavor to escape from her his foot was caught in the carpet, and he was violently precipitated down the long flight of stairs his screams brought the whole party to his assistance even kinch who was sitting on the step outside threw off his usual dread of caddy and rushed into the house oh take me up piteously cried charlie oh take me up i am almost killed in raising him one of the old women took hold of his arm which caused him to scream again don't touch my arm please don't touch my arm i'm sure it's broke no no it's not broke only sprained or a little twisted said she and seizing it as she spoke she gave it a pull and a wrench for the purpose of making it all right again at this charlie's face turned deathly pale and he fainted outright run for a doctor cried the now thoroughly alarmed caddy run for the doctor my brother's dead and bursting into tears she exclaimed oh i've killed my brother i've killed my brother don't make so much fuss child soothingly replied one of the old women he's worth half a dozen dead folk yet lord bless you child he's only fainted water was procured and thrown in his face and before kinch returned with the doctor he was quite restored to consciousness don't cry my little man said the physician as he took out his knife and ripped up the sleeve of charlie's coat don't cry let me examine your arm stripping up the shirt-sleeve he felt it carefully over and shaking his head physicians always shake their heads pronounced the arm broken and that too in an extremely bad place at this information charlie began again to cry and caddy broke forth into such yells of despair as almost to drive them distracted the physician kindly procured a carriage and saw charlie comfortably placed therein and held in the arms of Kinch with the lamenting and disheartened caddy on the opposite seat he was slowly driven home the house was quite thrown into confusion by their arrival under such circumstances mrs ellis for a wonder did not faint but proceeded at once to do what was necessary mr ellis was sent for and he immediately despatched Kinch for dr Burdett their family physician who came without a moment's delay he examined charlie's arm and at first thought it would be necessary to amputate it at the mere mention of the word amputate caddy set up such a series of lamentable howls as to cause her immediate ejectment from the apartment Doctor bradette called and dr diggs for a consultation and between them it was decided that an attempt should be made to save the injured member now charlie said dr bradette i'm afraid we must hurt you my boy but if you have any desire to keep this arm you must try to bear it i'll bear anything to save my arm doctor i can't spare that said he manfully i'll want it by and by to help take care of mother and the girls you're a brave little fellow said dr diggs patting him on the head so then we'll go at it at once stop cried charlie let mother put her arms round my neck so and ask you hold a good hand now then i'm all right far away and clenching his lips hard he waited for the doctor to commence the operation of setting his arm charlie's mother tried to look as stoical as possible but the corners of her mouth would twitch and there was a nervous trembling of her under lip but she commanded herself and only when charlie gave a slight groan of pain stooped and kissed his forehead and when she raised her head again there was a tear resting on the face of a son that was not his own esther was the picture of despair and she wept bitterly for the misfortune which had befallen her pet brother and when the operation was over refused to answer poor Caddy's questions respecting charlie's injuries and scolded her with a warmth and volubility that was quite surprising to them all you must not be too hard on caddy remarked mr ellis she feels bad enough i'll warrant you it is a lesson that will not i trust be thrown away upon her it will teach her to command her temper in future caddy was in truth quite crushed by the misfortune she had occasioned and fell into such a state of depression and apathy as to be scarcely heard about the house indeed so subdued was she that kinch went in and out without wiping his feet and tracked the mud all over the stair carpet and yet she uttered no word of remonstrance poor little charlie suffered much and was in a high fever the knocker was tied up the windows darkened and all walked about the house with sad and anxious countenances day after day the fever increased until he grew delirious and raved in the most distressing manner the unfortunate haricot was still on his mind and he was persecuted by men with strange shaped heads and carrot eyes sometimes he imagined himself pursued by caddy and would cry in the most piteous manner to have her prevented from beating him then his mind strayed off to the marble ground where he would play imaginary games and laugh over his success in such a wild and frightful manner as to draw tears from the eyes of all around him he was greatly changed the bright color had fled from his cheek his head had been shaved and he was thin and wan and at times they were obliged to watch him and restrain him from tossing about to the great peril of his broken arm at last his situation became so critical that dr began to entertain but slight hopes of his recovery and one morning in the presence of caddy hinted as much to mr ellis oh doctor doctor exclaimed the distracted girl don't say that oh try and save him how could i live with the thought that i killed my brother oh i can't live a day if he dies will god ever forgive me Oh what a wretch i have been oh do think of something that will help him he mustn't die you must save him and crying passionately she threw herself on the floor in an agony of grief they did their best to pacify her but all their efforts were in vain until mr ellis suggested that since she could not control her feelings she must be sent to stay with her aunt as her lamentations and outcries agitated her suffering brother and made his condition worse the idea of being excluded from the family circle at such a moment had more effect on caddy than all previous remonstrances she implored to have the sentence suspended for a time at least that she might try to exert more self-command and mr ellis who really pitied her well knowing that her heart was not in fault however reprehensible she was in point of temper consented and caddy's behaviour from that moment proved the sincerity of her promises and though she could not quite restrain occasional outbursts of senseless lamentation, still when she felt such fits of despair coming on she wisely retired to some remote corner of the house and did not reappear till she had regained her composure the crisis was at length over and charley was pronounced out of danger no one was more elated by this announcement than our friend kinch who had in fact grown quite ashy in his complexion from confinement and grief and was now thrown by this intelligence to the highest possible spirits charley although faint and weak was able to recognize his friends and derive great satisfaction from the various devices of kinch to entertain him that young gentleman quite distinguished himself by the variety and extent of his resources he devised butting matches between himself and a large gourd, which he suspended from the ceiling and almost blinded himself by his attempts to butt it sufficiently hard to cause it to rebound to the utmost length of the string might have made an idiot of himself for ever by his exertions for the timely interference of mr ellis who put a final stop to this diversion then he dressed himself in a short gown and nightcap and made the pillow into a baby and played the nurse with the two such perfection that Charlie felt obliged to applaud by knocking with the knuckles of his fast hand upon the headboard of his bedstead on the whole he was so overjoyed as to be led to commit all manner of eccentricities and conducted himself generally in such a ridiculous manner that Charlie laughed himself into a state of prostration and kinch was in consequence banished from the sick-room to be readmitted only on giving his promise to abstain from being as funny as he could any more after the lapse of a short time Charlie was permitted to sit up, and our regular levies of his schoolmates and little friends, he declared it was quite a luxury to have a broken arm as it was a source of so much amusement. The old ladies brought him jellies and blanc mange, and he was petted and caressed to such an unparalleled extent as to cause his delighted mother to aver that she lived in great fear of his being spoiled beyond remedy. At length he was permitted to come downstairs and sit by the window for a few hours each day. Whilst thus amusing himself one morning a handsome carriage stopped before their house and from it descended a fat benevolent looking old lady who knocked at the door and rattled the latch as if she had been in the daily habit of visiting there and felt quite sure of a hearty welcome she was led in by esther and on sitting down asked if mrs ellis was at home whilst esther was gone to summon her mother the lady looked round the room and espying charlie said oh there you are i am glad to see you hope you are improving yes ma'am politely replied charlie wondering all the time who their visitor could be you don't seem to remember me you ought to do so children seldom forget any one who makes them a pleasant promise as she spoke a glimmer of recollection shot across charlie's mind and he exclaimed you are the lady who came to visit the school yes and i promised you a book for your aptness and continued she taking from her reticule a splendidly bound copy of robinson crusoe here it is mrs ellis as soon as she was informed that a stranger lady was below left katie to superintend alone the white-washing of charlie's sick-room and having hastily donned another gown and a more tasty cap descended to, to see who the visitor could be you must excuse my not rising said mrs bird for that was the lady's name it is rather a difficulty for me to get up and down often so continued she with a smile you must excuse my seeming rudeness mrs ellis answered that any apology was entirely unnecessary and begged she would keep her seat i have come said mrs bird to pay your little man a visit i was so much pleased with the manner in which he recited his exercises on the day of examination that i promised him a book and on going to the school to present it i heard of this unfortunate accident he looks very much changed he has had a very severe time i presume yes a very severe one we had almost given him over but it pleased god to restore him replied mrs alice in a thankful tone he is very weak yet she continued and it will be a long time before he is entirely recovered who is your physician asked mrs bird dr burdett was the reply he has been our physician for years and is a very kind friend of our family and of mine too rejoined mrs bird he visits my house every summer what does he think of the arm she asked he thinks in time it will be as strong as ever and recommends sending Chowler into the country for the summer but said mrs ellis we are quite at a loss where to send him oh let me take him said mrs bird i should be delighted to have him i've got a beautiful place he can have a horse to ride and there are wide fields to scamper over oh let me have him and i'll guarantee to restore him to health in a short time you're very kind replied mrs ellis i'm afraid he would only be a burthen to you be a great deal of trouble and be able to do but little work "Work, why my dear woman replied mrs bird with some astonishment i don't want him to work i've plenty of servants i only want him to enjoy himself and gather as much strength as possible come make up your mind to let him go with me and i'll send him home as stout as i am at the bare idea of charlie's being brought to such a state of obesity Kent, who during the interview had been in the back part of the room making all manner of faces was obliged to leave the apartment to prevent a serious explosion of laughter and after their visitor had departed he was found rolling about the floor in a tempest of mirth after considerable conversation relative to the project mrs burr took her leave promising to call soon again and advising mrs ellis to accept her offer mrs ellis consulted dr Burdett, who pronounced it a most fortunate circumstance and said the boy could not be in better hands, and as Charlie appeared nothing loth it was decided he should go to Warmouth to the great grief of Kent, who thought it a most unheard of proceeding, and he regarded Mrs. Bird thenceforth as his personal enemy and a willful disturber of his peace. End of chapter eight